freedom is never more than one generation away from extinction. We didn't pass it on to our children in the bloodstream. The only way they can inherit the freedom we have known is if we fight for it, protect it, defend it, and then hand it to them with the well-taught lessons of how they in their lifetime must do the same. And if you and I don't do this, then you and I may well spend our sunset years telling our children and our children's children what it once was like in America when men were free. Americanism, not globalism, will be our credo as long as we are led by politicians who will not put America first, then we can be assured that other nations will not treat America with respect, the respect that we deserve. You're listening to the voice of the future. Fighting for America every day. This is the conservative crusader. And here's your host, GOP Josh. Hello and welcome to the Conservative Crusader. My name is GOP Josh. Thank you for tuning in here on the Red Future Radio Network. Very excited to be joining you again. It's been way too long, my friends, but I I departed. I decided, you know, I'm going to take a month off right before the election of 2022 and the big elections, the midterm elections, the very important elections for for the future of our country. I said, I'm going to take a month off, come back. Full steam ahead. Make sure we have plenty to fight for. It was going to be the August, the October surprise, right? The October surprise determines the election is me coming back and Republicans are going to win by like 50 points. But I, I can't stay away that long. You know, this program is such a part of my bloodstream, such a part of what I do as a person and who I am as a person that I couldn't stay away that long, especially not for an entire month. So we're back better than ever here on the Conservative Crusader. Hope you enjoyed that new introduction. Very excited for it. I worked really hard making that, compiling the clips, making it sound bigly, and making it sound great. Very excited to be joining you once again here, like I said, on the Red Future Radio Network. RedFutureRadio.com, GOPJosh.com is my website. Uh, You can call into the program, support us via calling in 574-675-6747 if you want to join our Patreon, which is the best way to financially support the program. Keep us in the fight here on the airwaves. It is patreon.com slash GOP Josh, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com slash GOP Josh. The best way to support the program financially. It is more than appreciated. I, I want to start this program today by talking about someone that I generally wouldn't talk about. News I don't really care about is foreign news, especially when it comes to England, an ally. But but since this program, since the last episode of this program, the Queen of England, Queen Elizabeth II, has passed away. America is obviously not under this monarchy any longer, but it was such a, a foundational part of our negative history. When we started this country, it was a negative part of our history. It was a monarchy. So, um, But historically, that's not the case. And now, or that is the case, and, and now we're allies, the, the United States and England. And I know a lot of our allies are mourning the loss of Elizabeth II, the Queen, her Majesty herself, and I, I find this important. I find this 
death-saddening for everyone across the nation because, and across the world because she was the last defender of the faith. Historically, the, the Christian monarchy was kind of a theocracy in the way that it was rooted in the Christian faith. She was a very devout Christian. Historically, Europe is a very Christian country, as is America. We were founded by this country, obviously. And she had the title Defender of the Faith, the faith being the Christian faith, the faith that she upheld, the faith that the country upheld. And on his first day reigning, obviously, as soon as the queen passed away, King Charles III became king, he said, we are making it the Defender of Faith. Not the faith, not the Christian faith, but faith in a idea, in a vast belief system, not just Christianity, not Catholicism or Catholicism or, or any other religion, but just defender of faith, defending every kind of faith. And, and where does that draw the line? So as a world, as a Christian population, we are mourning the loss of the last Defender of the faith, defender of the Christian faith. So for that, obviously, she was buried earlier today, early in the morning today in America time. Uh, thank you for your service to this religion. You will be greatly missed. Queen Elizabeth II, the longest reigning monarch in British history. All right, let's move on. In the program, just wanted to put that out there that we are mourning the loss of Queen Elizabeth II, the last ever defender of the faith. So there were illegal migrants flown to Martha's Vineyard, and I've previously on this program talked about how I don't really support this move. I don't support governors moving these migrants further into middle America, further into this country, especially when they are on the border and they have the resources, the same resources they could use to deport them. They are sending them further into our country until I realized how a thousand IQ this plan was. He sent them to Martha's Vineyard, uh, Governor Ron DeSantis did, and I'm not going to astroturf for DeSantis here, but um, he, he sent them to Martha's Vineyard. They were informed of their destination. In Martha's Vineyard, for those of you who don't know, is this big liberal paradise. Like 85% of the votes went for Joe Biden in the 2020 presidential election. A big Democratic stronghold, rich liberal island. It is where Barack Obama now resides. And Governor DeSantis, and they had a sign out that said, we support all immigrants, we support BLM, we support this and that, one of those yard signs that they have stuck out in your yard. They had one branded uh, under the Martha's Vineyard logo. This, this little island has their own logo. So, so Martha's Vineyard came and they, and they sent 50 migrants, 50. Five zero, not 500, not 5,000, not 50,000, 50. Governor Ron DeSantis sent them, and, and before they even landed, pretty much, these these leftists were coming out saying, this is terror, this is human trafficking, they're sending these people in for political props, they didn't know where they're going, well, the documents said they knew where they were going, but anyways, they said, well, this is just, this is hurting the immigrants, running them in, using them as political props, how dare Governor Ron DeSantis, he's a human trafficker. Human trafficking is everything that happens on that border. As the people are coming in, that is human trafficking. Getting them here is human trafficking. But the leftists, the people who live at Martha's Vineyard, who identify themselves as pro-immigrants, pro-migrants, a sanctuary city, by the way, Martha's Vineyard is a sanctuary city. 
they are now going online and to the government crying, saying, well, uh, what are we going to do with the Martha's Vineyard? Yeah, yeah. Grow up. I mean, frankly, this is their own policies working against them. They're the ones who said for, for historic lengths of time that they are a sanctuary city. They are on the side of the migrants. They are fighting for migrants. What changed? I, I mean, seriously, what changed? That's what I want to know. So, so they, they shipped these migrants out of there. They said, get out of here, brown people. You can't come to Martha's Vineyard. This is for old white liberals. And, I mean, it's hilarious. And I used to say, well, this is a stupid this is a stupid plan. It's just going to hurt uh, America sending these people further in. But they deported them so fast. They, they did it faster than Ron DeSantis could have deported them. They did everything they could to deport them ASAP. As soon as possible to get them out of there. Get them out of their, their white haven. It's hilarious. And it's it's they had to actually suffer under what America has to suffer under, under their policies. So maybe I'm, I'm going to be the, the devil's advocate here for a while. Maybe it wasn't the worst thing in the world for them to send them here. And for them to send them to Martha's Vineyard. Maybe they finally realized that their policies are not only hurting themselves, hurting middle America and hurting the people that they're supposed to fight for. These are mostly politicians or just old rich political donors. You can't tell me that they don't know, frankly, what's going on. And they don't know that this is happening, not only affecting their sanctuary. This is affecting everyone in this country. And I think it was a good move for them to put them here and say, look at this. This is, this is how it feels for every other American that has to deal with this, especially in our border cities. So I'm, I'm changing my perspective. I, I'm changing my mind. Hashtag change my mind, Stephen Crowder. This was a good move. Should we do it with every migrant that comes across the border? No. Should we do it with a select group to the White House, to D.C., to all of these sanctuary cities across the nation? Just a small number. Make them, make them feel the pain. Maybe just a little bit. Why keep them tied up right here? Why discriminate against them tied up right here? Send them all across. The leftists should be praising that. Sending them to the sanctuary cities that signed up for it. But they're not interested in that. They're just interested in party and partisan politics. Playing politics with the lives of these illegal migrants that should be shipped back to their own country. And, and I mean, they're, in, they're investigating Florida governor for flying the migrants to Martha's Vineyard. Javier uh, Zalazar, the Bexar County Sheriff from San Antonio is now investigating Ron DeSantis. We'll cover that story as it happens. If it if it develops, we will cover that story here on the Red Feature Radio Network on the Conservative Crusader radio program. This program, 57GOPJosh, 757-4675-6747. Man, it feels great to be back. And we'll be right back after this break here on the Conservative Crusader Red Feature Radio Network, gopjosh.com. Be right back after this. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. Welcome back. This is the Conservative Crusader. Thank you for sticking with, with st- sticking with us through the break. If I can talk, it's been a while. Thank you for sticking with us through the break as we are talking about this big Martha's Vineyard um, um, shipment of migrants 
And this is going to be a story kind of related to that with Governor Ron DeSantis. If you missed the first segment, the podcast is available at gopjosh.com slash show, redfeatureradio.com slash TCC, and wherever else you get your podcasts. Just search The Conservative Crusader, and we're probably there. Governor Ron DeSantis has broke a fundraising record. So so we know he he's a big optics guy. He's pushing for the optics of running for president. We know that. No other governor across the nation besides Glenn Youngkin in a very few select states is going to Arizona, going to Ohio, going to these big, big strongholds, usually Republican strongholds or, or very important primary states, right? Ohio. I think he's gone to New Hampshire. I think he's gone to Iowa. He's gone to these very big political states. Traveling them, giving the big speeches, going with their local candidates, their candidates fully embracing them. Look at the rally in Arizona with Carrie Lake, with Blake Masters. Look at the rally in Ohio with J.D. Vance. Look at the rally in Pennsylvania with Doug Mastriano. These important Republican states, these important conservative states, he's going all over. So he's he's definitely planning something major for 2024. And I don't want to promote someone who's not on the Red Feature Radio Network, but Vince Dow with American Virtue did a great video about this just the other day on his YouTube channel talking about how this is a good time for Ron DeSantis if he was going to run because his he optically won't be the same in 2028. And I don't want DeSantis to run. The same people backing DeSantis are the ones that were backing Ted Cruz, backing Marco Rubio, backing John Kasich in 2016. But if he was going to run now at the time, I mean, literally, there's no other time than this for Ron DeSantis. He's not going to be the same in 20, uh, 2028 when he has no power, when he can't have his daily press briefings televised in every state in Florida, or every city in Florida, every state across the nation. He, he's on uh, Sinclair Broadcasting in, in Columbus, is Fox 28 and ABC 6 is who I watch in the mornings. He's on there at least every day or at least once a day, with a clip or a press conference or something that he's done. When he's out of office for two years, th- this isn't going to be the same. It, unless he declares the second he steps out of the governor's mansion for the last time. He's going to win his, his 2024 election, or his 2022 election, I'm sorry, for governor. Why not run now? I hope he doesn't run now. I think he'd be a great president in 2028. Possibly. We don't have anyone better at that point. Uh, Carrie Lake could be a good possibility. A sitting senator could be a good possibility. But he, he's going to run. And he has $218 million to do so. And that's mainly for his re-election campaign. And to his donors, to his average uh, $50 or less donors, why are you donating to Ron DeSantis? Charlie Crist is a not going to win. He is a perennial candidate at its best. He's, he's won a couple elections. He's been a Republican, a Democrat, and an Independent across multiple different years. He's not going to win. He's no serious contender to Ron DeSantis. So why are we donating $218 million to a safe red seat when there is a seat in Arizona? Both the governor and the uh, Senate are pretty close, and New Hampshire is a very close race, very easily winnable. Pennsylvania, where, where Doug Mastriano has like nothing. So we will see this war chest probably turn into a, either a political pack or a 2024 presidential run in the near future for Governor Ron DeSantis, whom, like I said, we'll be following that here on the Red Future Radio Network and on the Conservative Crusader. So we're going to move on. I just wanted to put that out there. Where Biden is big is gaff mania. He's done, had more gaffes than I can keep track of since we've been off the air. But we're back. And last night, he appeared, or two nights ago, I'm sorry, he appeared on 60 Minutes, which I want to play, <laughs> I want to show this from 
Tim Allen. Let me find it. The voice of Buzz Lightyear, the Santa Claus, Tim Allen. Biden was on 60 Minutes. I heard he asked how long the show was. <laughs> Sorry, I, I had to. I had to press the button. I get cri- criti- criticism when I press the button. That was just. It was. <laughs> it's hilarious, but it's true. So he tells 60 Minutes U.S. troops would not defend Taiwan. The White House walked it back, saying this is not official U.S. policy. Last Thursday, the same day 60 Minutes spoke to President Joe Biden, Vladimir Putin met with China's leader Xi Jinping. There's concern that Russia's war on Ukraine could inspire China to attack the island of Taiwan. U.S. policy since 1979 has been to recognize Taiwan as a part of China, but remains silent on whether the U.S. military would defend the Democratic government there. 60 Minutes correspondent Scott Pelley asked Mr. Biden about that. He said, what should Chinese President Xi know about your commitment to Taiwan? He said, we agree with what we signed onto a long time ago and that there's no one there's no there's one China policy and Taiwan makes their own judgments about their independence and we are not moving. We're not encouraging their being independent. We're not that that's their decision. Exact quote, if you can't tell. Pelly or Peely asks, but would U.S. forces defend the island? Quote, yes. If, in fact, there was an unprecedented attack. So unlike Ukraine, to be clear, sir. U.S. forces, U.S. men and women would defend Taiwan in the event of a China invasion. The president said yes. I'm not sure if we have this clip. I'll try to find this clip for us if we have it. I'd like to see um, if we have a chance to play it. I'd like to get that there for you. But he is walking back what he said about this. I mean, they did it right away. Walked it back. Let me find this here. After the interview, a White House official said U.S. policy on Taiwan has not changed. Officially, the U.S. maintains strategic uh, ambiguity on whether American forces would defend Taiwan, but the Taiwan Relations Act obliges the U.S. to help equip Taiwan to defend itself. The same thing they're using for Ukraine. So we have that on the record. Biden says we will defend Taiwan. Should we? I, I mean, seriously, would it be a good idea? We have the... The biggest thing in Taiwan is the chips. So if they can hold off in, until the Intel plant in Ohio is put up, then we should be fine, right? I mean, I'm an isolationist, really. I'm an America-first isolationist. What would be the best for the country, the best for America, is what we should do. I don't think we should do anything that would hurt America. I don't think we should do anything that put America in a bad place strategically. This would not be a good place to put America strategically. Putting America on the front lines of a practical civil war. I mean, imagine if Europe would have intervened in the 1800s during the American Civil War. How would that have worked out? It would have turned into a world war. Is that not going to happen again? If we believe in one China, as official U.S. policy has designated, and believe Taiwan is independent, that doesn't work, first of all. But if we do, let's say we believe in one China. That makes it a civil war between two segments of the same country. Seriously, where does that happen? And how does that happen? And how do we even consider, consider getting involved in a civil war? 
Is Taiwan worth our defense? That's up for you to decide. I'm not going to decide that for you. But if you don't believe it is, this should scare you. And if you do believe it is, but you don't want a U.S. world war, this should scare you. Every day that the White House has to walk back what the president says is the day that should scare you. And that's turning into every time he speaks to the press, every time he speaks to anyone in the media, they have to walk it back. Who's making the decisions? I still want to know that answer. Who is making the decisions in the Oval Office, in the White House, in Washington, D.C.? Who is it? Who's signing laws? Who's deciding what laws to sign, uh, executive orders? Who's making these events? Who's going to these events? Who's writing these speeches? Who is it behind the scenes? Who's talking in the earpiece? How can the president of the United States not be, what's the word, mentally there enough to know what he said on an interview and making sure it's actually U.S. policy? He's the president of the United States of America. This isn't some kid that just won a soccer game talking to local media. This is the president of the United States talking to one of the number one cable news channels or the broadcast channels in the world. How is that the place we're in right now? Where he doesn't know the policy of his own country that he rules. He is the the, the president. That should scare you. It scares me. That's where we're at right now. The president doesn't know the policy of his government, of his administration, of his house. It's his White House right now. He's the, he's the president. Why doesn't he know? How does he not know? Who's calling the shots? This information should be public. We should know who is calling the shots behind the scenes. Who's in his ear? Who are his advisors? Who's doing the work? How do we not know? We supposedly elected this man in a stolen election. We, we supposedly elected this man. Why do we not know who behind the scenes is actually calling the shots, making the decisions for him? That scares me. It should scare you, too. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. This is The Conservative Crusader. So I have some news about an Ohioan that I have had the honor of meeting. Now, while I was off the air, the FBI actually took Mike Lindell's phone, had a warrant, and took Mike Lindell's phone. I don't know what they did with it, but they took it. And there was someone else that they took the phone of that was not getting the same media attention. He is an Ohioan. He is a very statistically-minded person that I've had the honor of meeting. I've had dinner with the man, Dr. Douglas Frank. He is the statistics guy behind Mike Lindell's claims, the, the, the brains of the operation. I mean, Mike, Mark, Mike Lindell's a smart man, right? I mean, look at his pillow empire. But the, the actual statistically-minded person behind the scenes is Dr. Douglas Frank, and he also had his phone seized. This should be nationwide news. An Ohio man who gained acclaim creating statistical models during the pandemic and later claimed he found irregularities in election data that proves the 2020 election were fraught with errors had his phone seized Wednesday by the FBI, according to a social media post. Um, that I believe, let me see when that Wednesday was. It was the 14th. 
is when it was. Uh, Douglas Frank, widely known as Dr. Frank, has toured the country delivering testimony on alleged election uh, anomalies and fraud. He's often along been alongside my pillow founder Mike Lindell at events and at least one Save America rally in Delaware, Ohio earlier this year. He put this on his Facebook page after midnight into Thursday morning. Two FBI agents met me as I got off the plane today. They were polite and professional, and we smiled at each other knowingly as they approached me. Of course, they knew that I knew that they were, I knew that they were, knew that I would be expecting them there. We shook hands and I cooperated fully with them. After fabulously successful and productive meetings and events in Colorado and California this week, it would be hard to dampen my spirits. And the full Facebook post is linked in the article below from the Ohio Press Network. Wendell had his phone seized. Um, Frank seemed to hint that media outlets were tipped off and aware that the FBI would be seizing his property. The post was titled Irony. They obviously knew it. Uh, it goes on, CNN, Washington Post, and the New York Times are all trying to get in contact with me today. They obviously knew what was going down. Ironic, they've been leaving messages on my wife and son's phones because they can't reach mine. Now, I don't know Dr. Frank personally very well. I've met him a couple times, or actually one time, at an event with Mark Fukita. He is the most important, arguably, person fighting for election integrity today. His statistics are out of this world. His presentation is out of this world. If there is a Dr. Frank presentation near you, go see it. Pay whatever you have to pay to get in there. It is worth it. He is a compelling speaker. He knows what he's talking about. He has the maths to back up his claims. And this is another Biden justice system personal attack. This wasn't an attack because he said the wrong or he 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 did something wrong. He, he threatened the country. He threatened the president. He threatened this or that. This is because he personally disagreed with the outcome of the 2020 election and he has the math to back it up. We're praying for Dr. Frank. I'm glad to have known the man. He's a great guy. It was a pleasure to eat dinner with. But what what chance do we have? This isn't being reported. They're not reporting on this. He said they're asking for statements and I believe him. But they're not reporting on it. They're not following the story. They're not reporting the story to you, the people. If it wasn't for the great Jack Windsor at the Ohio Press Network, many of us wouldn't know about this. And I mean, we have the Mike Lindell story. We know about that already. But the, the, the Jack Windsor story that about Dr. Frank is unmatched. If I find out more about this, I'll let you know. I've been following his pages to make sure that he doesn't post anything about it. Dr. Frank, that is. Another personal attack. Unsurprised, but I'm still disappointed. I'm unsurprised, but I'm still disappointed. As we move on to a bit of good news in Ohio. The Ohio Supreme Court has ruled an independent will be on the ballot in November for Secretary of State. Now, you know where I stand with Frank LaRose. Not the favorite guy. That's why I had John Adams on in the primary. Um, Sam McGuire has been on the, or has been on Tory says, Tory says, and has had Tory on his program 
on the Samuel McGuire show here on the Red Future Radio Network. She has been on the network before. And she is officially back on the ballot. She was qualified for the ballot. She had enough signatures. Justin Biss of the Ohio Republican Party came in here and said, well, well, frankly, folks, she doesn't have enough. She, she has like 16 less than she claimed she does. The Supreme Court said, nope, get out of here with that. Get out, <laughs> get out of here with that. One Republican chief justice stood with the three Democrats, the three Republicans justices, just completely fought against the rule of law. Nine signatures were all she needed, nine signatures she had verified, and nine signatures means she's on the ballot. Say what you want about Tory, about Mrs. Maris. Say what you want about her personally. I don't care. I'm not her lawyer. <laughs> I, I don't have any stakes in this race. But I, I want to talk about and kind of channel back to a previous interview with uh, Neil Peterson, who also tried to get on the ballot as an independent, independent in Ohio. The challenge is stacked up against independence, majorly. 5,000 signatures needed, 5,000 verified, over 1,000 that minor, or major parties need. There's no May primary, there's no August primary, there's no primary at all. You have to have very specific campaign finance laws, very specific policy points, because if you, if you align too close with one party or another, they'll throw you off as splitting the vote or whatever. You have to be very meticulous with your words, with your statements, with your signature verification in order to to win. And so whether you like her or not, she did this in a month. And I wish that her team could have powered up with Neil Peterson's team and, and made both of them on the ballot. That would have been great. I, I think Neil Peterson could have got it had he had a competent legal counsel. But I believe he was representing himself. I'm glad she's on the ballot. I think anyone who is qualified based on the the laws and the regulations of the state they're running in to be on the ballot should be on the ballot. If she had enough signatures, if she had enough verified signatures, even if it was one more than she needed, she should be on the ballot. And I'm glad she is, whether I personally like her or not. I'm not saying whether I do or not. That's the biggest thing is I'm not saying which way I feel. I want both sides to be angry at me because I'm not saying enough to like her. I'm not saying enough to dislike her. I, I want to see how this race goes. And the Ohio people, the people of Ohio can choose between a Republican, a Democrat, or an Independent. And that's not a bad thing. Not a bad thing at all. Um, they, this is the hit piece from the Columbus Dispatch. The, which, why do we even read the Columbus Dispatch anymore? Why do Ohioans read the Dispatch? Why do we support this paper? It is a disgrace. It is false. It is inflammatory. It is biased towards the Democratic Party astoundingly. But, but I digress. The Ohio Supreme Court ordered Tuesday that QAnon po- follower and podcaster Turbashore Maris, I don't know if I pronounced that right or not, be put on the ballot for Ohio Secretary of State this fall. Maris has supported policies such as returning to a paper ballot system and eliminating all voting machines in Ohio. On her podcast, The Tory Says Show, she has made unproven claims of a stolen presidential election in 2020 and supported QAnon conspiracies. Earlier this year, Maris filed to run as a Republican. Didn't make it on the ballot. Maris is now running as an independent, but Republicans claimed she did not have the required amount of signatures valid or of valid voter signatures to qualify. 
The executive director of the Ohio Republican Party, Justin Biss, filed a challenge questioning the validity of 35 of her signatures. Ohio requires that the candidates collect 5,000 valid voter signatures to get on the ballot as an independent. I firmly believe that if the basic signature process is clearly defined in the law, if Ms. Maris can't figure it out, then she currently isn't qualified to be Secretary of State. Attorneys for Maris argue that the incomplete addresses were not mandatory under law to compel a signature's invalidation, and that whether an address was correct or not was up to local boards of elections. Uh, uh, Warner Mendelhall, an attorney, said we count on local boards of elections to know their community. It's clear where someone lives, even if one doesn't completely list their entire address. Signature mismatches could be due to awkwardness of signing digitally. A couple great arguments. And so she's on the ballot. Good for her. I'm glad she is. I believe anyone who is qualified to be on the ballot should be on the ballot, whether I agree with them or not. If it's a three Democrats on the ballot and two Republicans, I don't care. If it's 16 Republicans and one Democrat, I don't like it, but I don't care, right? As long as they're qualified to be on the ballot, they should be on the ballot. And they should have the option to get on the ballot. When we return, a couple polls I want to talk about. The Ohio poll, the uh, the Pennsylvania poll. Dr. Oz is going to win this, folks. We'll talk about that when we return here on the Conservative Crusader. Make sure, by the way, I want to throw this out there before we go back to the break and before we go back to um, the commercial land, that if you want to support the program yourself, patreon.com slash Josh is the best way to do it. Patreon.com slash Josh. Patreon.com slash JP Josh, Patreon.com slash JP Josh to help the program, help me, help the Red Future Radio Network, and help America. You're listening to the Conservative Crusader. This is the Conservative Crusader. All right. Let's start with the Ohio poll, shall we? Let's hop right into this. If you missed any parts of the program, go back and rewind. If you're listening on the podcast, if you're listening on the Red Future Radio Network, go wherever you get your podcasts and make sure you subscribe to the Conservative Crusader. Never a miss a minute. A Republican J.D. Vance's lead over Democratic Tim Ryan grew four points 53 days out from Election Day. Let's go, J.D. According to a new survey from Emerson College Polling, which Emerson is a very bad polling agency, let's be honest. They're not a great polling agency either way you look at it. But I'm so glad, I'm so happy that J.D. Vance is winning. And I'm not a big, I'm not the biggest J.D. Vance fan in the world. I'll, I'll admit that. I wasn't in the primary especially. But he's the Republican nominee in a federal race. And that's my standard. I, I don't care about state races especially the Ohio governorship, <clears throat> DeWine. I don't care if I support the Republican in that race. I don't care if I support the Republican in the Secretary of State's race. I don't care if I support the Republican in the Attorney General's race or any other race statewide. When it comes to federal elections, when it comes to the House, in this close of a Senate, yeah, I support the Republican. Wholeheartedly, I support the Republican J.D. Vance. I support the Republican Mike Carey. I support the Republican... J.R. Majewski, especially, I support him in the primary. I support the Republican uh, Madison Gilbert. I support the Republican Max Miller. I support the Republican, 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 because the, 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 the Democratic Party cannot be in power. We cannot have two more years of Democratic control in the Ohio House of Representatives 
or in the U.S. House of Representatives, I should say, and the U.S. Senate. So in the Emerson College poll, Vance wins. He previously led Ryan by three points, according to Emerson's polling in August, so he's now leading by four points. Vance is now leading Ryan by 2.3 points average, conducted by Real Clear Politics. Now, there's no true way that Republicans can be polled in 2022. One side has taken all of the Republicans and threw them into a box and said, you're a domestic terrorist, you're anti-American, and who knows one of these calls trying to gather these people and gather the these groups, right, are saying that, um, yeah, the, the, this is their way to find domestic terrorists is by polling and asking who they support. So Republicans are going to lead probably in every poll that they've gotten to by probably four points. Just let's be honest. J.D. Vance is going to win bigly. I also believe there was a Trafalgar poll. Let me take a look. A Trafalgar poll. I don't have it pulled up. I, I never have everything pulled up. If I had everything pulled up, this wouldn't be the conservative crusader. Right? I'm crusading my way through the internet to find what I'm looking for at the time I'm speaking about it. I guess. We have Arizona polls. PA governor poll. Josh Shapiro is leading by two points. Doug Mastriano will pick that up. Do I not have one for the governor's race? Or the, or the Senate? Oh, I, I forgot the way that Emerson does the polling. Have to find their associate, the person running it. Because they're the one that always posts the Senate races. All right. U.S. Senate race, if it was held today, Mehmet Oz is losing by less than two points. Very narrow race. In, in Pennsylvania, Republicans are probably looked down upon as they were before with, well, you know, yeah, domestic terrorism and, uh, you know, uh, Biden. And I don't like being associated with the, the domestic terrorists. They don't want to be the domestic terrorism, right? That, that's what they say. And, and so Republicans are going to win. Mehmet Oz is going to win. This race is also really important. It's the Blake Masters race in Arizona. Carrie Lake is winning her poll. She's going to win easily. But Blake Masters is losing by 1.2 points. 1.2. Arizonans, we have plenty of you in the audience. I can tell by statistics. Arizonans, get out and vote for Blake Masters. Donate to Blake Masters. Volunteer to Blake Masters. Do everything you can to Blake Masters. He is the choice for the Senate. Just because Mark Kelly's an astronaut, you in a name you recognize, doesn't make him qualified to serve in the Senate, and does not mean he is a good, good person or a good senator at all. He has not done a thing for the state of Arizona. He is not your guy. Blake Masters is your guy. I wholeheartedly support Blake Masters. I have before the primary. I do after the primary. Blake Masters is who we need. And I want to talk about John Fetterman one more time out of Pennsylvania. And then we'll wrap up this program until Thursday. Fetterman voted to free murderer who hacked innocent man to death with garden shears. This is the guy the left is propping up for the Senate. He can't speak. He has a big lump on the back of his neck. Zeke Goldblum was sentenced to life in prison for killing a man with garden shears in a parking garage in downtown Pittsburgh and later tried to hire a hitman to kill his accomplice in the brutal murder. As Lieutenant Governor of Pennsylvania, Senate hopeful John Fetterman voted to set 
Goldblum free in 2019 and said he was happy when the killer was released from prison last year. John Fetterman is the guy who chased this black man down the street with a gun. The black man was unarmed, but just chased him down the street. He's the one who served in a town as governor that had the, or as mayor, that had a major, major crime problem. And now he's running for the Senate. He does not stand there. He, 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 he can't, he, he can't stand there in front of the people of, of Pennsylvania and say, I, I want to represent you. I hate half the population or however much the population is a, that, that is black. And I wanted to let a murderer free, but, but I want to fight for you in the Senate. Mehmet Oz wasn't my choice in the primary either. He needs our support today. Support him. Him and Doug Mastriano. Doug Mastriano was great. Support him as well. They need our support. If we want to stop Biden's radical America, we need our own fight, our own fighters in the Senate back and our own governors back. Whether you like them or not, it's got to happen. And that's why when we're going to wrap up this program today. Thank you so much for those listening who have stuck through the break, stuck through the long hesitation. I didn't want to take so long of a break, but I needed some time. I just had to to relax, kind of take a chill pill and just calm down before we begin the program. And before we come back for the election, the election cycle is always so busy. I believe this is going to be one of the most busy elections to follow in my time on this program. It's going to be busier than 2020. It's going to be busier than 20, well, 2021, of course. It's going to be busy. It's going to be a lot. We're going to have to do this. We're going to fight back against the culture wars and and for the culture We're going to fight against the radical left, against their economic failures every day on this program that we have this program. Tuesdays and Thursdays, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, Red Future Radio Network. My name is Joe P. Josh. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you so much for sticking through us with us. And thank you for listening to both programs on the Red Future Radio Network and making us one of the largest political networks in Ohio. Until next time, my friends, my name is Joe P. Josh. This has been the Conservative Crusader. Thank you so much. And, well, frankly, I'm going to end it with that. Stay tuned. You're listening to The Conservative Crusader. 